I'm super excited about the, the journey that we're about to go on uh, called The Story. And so this morning, what I want to do, uh, I realize when you do something like this, there's like a million questions. Like we've been telling you slowly as we wrapped up Luke, hey, we're going to do this thing called The Story. It's going to be churchwide. It's gonna... And people are like, okay, but what is it? What is, what is it? Why, why, are we, why are we doing it? I, don't, I, don't, I like doing what I'm doing. Why, why do we have to do something else? I don't, I don't understand. And so this morning, I'm going to attempt in just 30 minutes to answer every question that you have about what we're about to enter into for the next 31 weeks, this journey called The Story that we are going to do together. And I'm going to go all the way back to school. You guys remember in school, if you're going to write a good paper, you've got to answer six questions, right? You guys remember those? I'll give you a hand. It's five W's and an H, you know. Who, what, when, where, why, and how, right? By the way, I'll just give you, this is a freebie. If you're studying your Bible, those are really six really good questions to ask as you read. Like, like notice all the who's, what's going on, why is it written? Like, those questions apply in all areas of life. So I'm going to try my best to answer those uh, this morning. Uh, hopefully, uh, I get all of them. I'm going to make you this offer right now. Ready? If I do not answer your question, the one that you've had for the last month but wanted to ask, come see me after service and I'll do my best, all right? But the Texans kick off at noon, so it might be a short answer, okay? Love you, I love you, I love you. All right, let's, uh, let's pray, if, if you don't mind. Um, Father, we're so thankful this morning uh, to be able to gather into worship. And Lord, we want to pause because we know there are several in Florida that are not able to do what we're doing right now. God, they're hunkered down in homes. Some of them have had to leave their homes and they're in shelters and they are preparing to bear the brunt of a great storm. And God, many of our relatives, many of the people that we know and love in the Houston area have been through that. And here's my prayer, God, um, that the stories that I'm hearing out of Houston now, where the gospel is the healing salve, that people are realizing that they did not lose everything because they still have life and they still have Jesus. My prayer is that the same will happen with the people in Florida, God. I pray that you'd protect them. I pray that you'd protect their family. I pray for the elderly, Lord, that, that, that it's harder to get them out, Lord. I pray um, for those that don't have the, the well-being, the, the, the money to travel. Father, I pray that you'd put them in a safe place and that you would cover them with your hand. And Lord, like we're seeing now with our brothers and sisters in LaGrange, in Houston, in Port Aransas, I pray that, that what will happen on the back end of this storm is beautiful, beautiful redemption. And Jesus, we pray that and we ask that in your holy and precious name. Amen. 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 So there's uh, questions that we have, we, we always do, uh, when it comes to the story. And, I, and I, I'm going to start with this. Somebody says, Pastor, how do you come up with what you're going to preach on? Like, how does that work? Um, I pray. That's what I do. I, I talk to Jesus. That's kind of how that works. And so uh, if, if you've been here with me, been here seven and a half years now, uh, we've done everything from walk through uh, the book of Ephesians, talking about what it means to be a healthy church. Um, we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount. We've covered the book of Acts. We've covered the book of Hebrews. Um, we've done questions and answers, which was a, the, uh, a study in theology, right? It's kind of what the Lord puts on my heart as I pray and say, hey, what do our people need? And so uh, as we got into Luke, we're about halfway in. And, and by the way, we were, we, we, Luke took two years, okay? So we've been at it for two years, if you're just with us this morning. Uh, but Luke took a couple years. And the reason that I, I really felt like the Lord was calling us to Luke um, was because I knew that we could do Mark shorter. I knew that we could pull off Mark in a year. I really did. Um, but but I, I really, there was this connection when we were in the book of Acts 
um, as, as we read through that together. And I wanted us to see the, the first half of that story. And so uh, we spent the last two years in Luke. And about halfway through, as a pastor, you've got to start planning. Okay, Lord, what are we doing next? I, what, what am I doing next? What do I need to preach on next? And that's kind of where I, I was. I was like, all right, Lord, what, what, what do we have? And as I was in that, that season of prayer, God began to show me uh, stories from, from here, or stories from there, statistics from here, statistics from there, that really began to alert my spirit as to a problem that's rising in the church today as a whole. Not our church, but the church today as a whole. And so the very first question I want to answer for you guys is why on earth are we going to do this study called the story? And, and I'm going to spend some time here. I'm going to camp out because it's the biggest question in my mind Okay, And not only is it the biggest question, but it has the most complex answer. And so first and foremost, I, I want to start here. We're going to do this story because my heart's desire uh, is to engage uh, people with Scripture. Okay, To engage people with Scripture. Um, and, and, and maybe that sounds strange to you. Maybe, maybe you're somebody that reads your Bible on a regular basis. But statistics show us that American Christians... That, that's not the truth, okay? So I want to share some things uh, with you that have been heavy on my heart lately. And here, here's the first. I want you to know the average American family uh, today owns four Bibles. Four Bibles, the average American family. But look at that next part of that. Uh, 41% of those people confess to never reading it. It's sad, right? We own the Bibles. Let me ask you, how many of you have more than four Bibles in your house? Raise your hand. Right? Does anybody have that emergency backup Bible that you leave in the car just in case you get to church without it? Right? Come on, just a few of you. That's smart. That's okay. The only problem is people are judging you, just so you know. They're like, ah, see, their Bibles stay on their car. They never read that thing. Just, just telling you, it's happening. Uh, not that it should. It's just happening. But um, So the number one reason that we're doing the story is we really want to engage people with Scripture. Uh, so four, four Bibles, every American, uh, average American home, 41, 41% confess to never reading it. Um, Check this one out. Only 45% of people who regularly attend church, that'd be you guys, only 45% of people who regularly attend church uh, read the Bible more than once a week. Which means that, that for almost half of, of people that regularly go to church, their, their, their Bible reading happens on Sunday morning when the pastor says, have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Luke. Right? And that counts. And, and 45%, that's, that's, that's a scary. Now here, this one really, really gets me. I'm, I'm not great at math. It says one, one-fifth. Uh, that's 20%, though. I got that one. 20% of churchgoers confess, get this, they never read the Bible. 20%. 20%. Now, that's the bad news. That's, that's, like the, that's the dark picture. That's, that's the ominous clouds. But, but here's, here's the sunlight peeking through those ominous clouds, because I want you to see this, because this brings me great hope. Ready? 90% of churchgoers want to become more mature followers of Christ. See, despite the place that we find ourselves, despite the fact that we're not engaged with the Bible, despite the fact that we don't feel uh, good enough for, for God, that, that, we, that we don't know enough about God, despite the fact that we're, we're not actively reading His Word, which is alive and active and, 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 and powerful and, and sharp, um, despite the fact we're not doing it, the majority of us want to do it. Right? We want to become more like Christ. We want to grow spiritually. And it's interesting that when we talk about spiritual growth, how do you define that, Pastor? Well, here's how we define it. I think it's the best definition we've found. Um, spiritual growth really means increasing your love for God and your love for people. That's what spiritual growth is. When you ask people, are, are you growing spiritually? If their love for God is not increasing and their love for other people is not increasing, their answer to you is probably, or should be at least, no. No, I'm, I don't feel like I'm growing spiritually because I'm not more in love with God than I was yesterday and I'm definitely not in love with that jerk that cut me off in traffic. 
But the more time we spend in the Word of God, the more those things begin to change. And so that's, that's the good news. Now, uh, here's, here's what we uh, found out a few years ago, and you guys may remember this, about two years ago, we completely changed um, our model of ministry here, and even our slogan, it used to kind of be believe, belong, become, and we were very discipleship process oriented. So we wanted you to come to worship, and then after you come to worship, we had to get you into a small group, right? And then after we got you into a small group, um, we, 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 we wanted to help you mature in Christ, which really meant serve in one of our ministries, um, right? And so it was very, it was, it was, the, programming, the programming was awesome. Awesome because it really like kept people busy, right? But then we realized it was really possible to do those things and basically be a Pharisee. That didn't necessarily mean that you would love God anymore, that you would love people anymore, that you would do anything because of it. And so the Lord began to work on our hearts and we, we, we rediscovered that greatest commandment in all the Bible, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we said, let's just be about that. And if we're doing those two things rightly, we've got to act on it. We can't just say it. Right, And so we can't just study the Bible, we actually have to go live the Bible. And that's kind of our philosophy here. And maybe that sounds too simple for you. And if you're looking for more program-driven stuff, man, God bless you, there's like 60 other churches in Elgin. I, I mean, that, that's not, I'm not offending you, I, I'm just, there really are. There'll be somebody out there that does exactly what you're looking for, whatever. Um, you, but but, but that's, that's just where we are. And so, uh, so here's what we found out a couple years ago, and I, I, I'd say this a lot. Um, the reveal survey would show us this, and it was a huge survey put out, that this nothing else even comes close to having the same impact as the Bible when it comes to spiritual growth. When it comes to increasing a person's love for God and a person's love for others, um, it, nothing. And when I say nothing, man, they judged everything from, from, from new members' classes to small groups to Sunday school models to different types of worship service. Well, what about the contemporary service? Doesn't, isn't that better? If you, you sing songs they, they hear on the radio all the time, isn't that better? Well, no, what about the hymns? Because they teach such great theology. If the, if the service is all on hymns, maybe they'll grow more like Christ. Nothing compared to engaging people with the word of God. The problem is the average American home has four of these and 41% don't read it. Okay? So, so I need you to hear me. When, when we began to pray, why the story? Why would we do this? Because my heart is that we would all be engaged with Scripture. And the story is going to require us to do that. We'll talk about that a little more in a bit. Number two, the reason why, is because uh, we want to help people understand how the Bible fits together. And I'll tell you, starting a year ago, this was really the main uh, part of, of my prayer concern. Um, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't grow up in church. Anybody else? Come on, where are my other? Yes, heathens. Yes, unite. Um, we've got a club. Uh, I, I, man, we can, we'll get together, and, and that's our new small group. Heathens um, used to be, right? Like, not anymore. I mean, it was the save from hedonism. I don't know, whatever. Uh, and so... Uh, I, I, like, I, I just don't know. And so I, I, I'm sorry, the Zacchaeus, when I preached on Zacchaeus, Alan had to tell me the lyrics to the song, right? Because I, 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 I don't know. The, I'm like, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed way up to a sycamore tree to see, and I don't know that line. I, I, I say to see what he, I say to, to see what he could see. He climbed way up to see what he could see. No, anyway, um, I, I don't know, right? So, so for me, all of the stories were new. And here's what we're finding. In churches as a whole, there are more and more people in churches that do not come from a church background. And then those that do come from a church background, the ones that do know the stories, they don't know how the stories connect together. And you want to know how bad it is. So uh, the Bible uh, 
I, I'm going to say it wrong. It's not the Pew Research, but it was American Bible Society did a study in Europe, and they asked people, they were asking kids and parents about Bible stories, and do you know the Bible stories, right? And so, so um, like a third of the people that they surveyed did not know that Jonah was swallowed by, and I'm always going to say, well, you guys just deal with it, okay? That Jonah was swallowed by a giant fish. I've got to be technically correct. Pretty soon we're going to name it. It was, it was actually a carp. It was the biggest carp in the fishery. Whatever. Okay, it was a whale is what I heard it. I was 20 when I heard it. I'm not changing, all right? Deal with it. Um, he, was, he was swallowed by a great giant fish, right? And a third of the people didn't know that. And, and then the, the story about David and Goliath, a third of the people didn't know that. And here, here's the crazy part. Of those people, a lot of them thought that the story of Superman's birth was in the Bible. I lie to you not. I lie to you not. It's crazy. It's crazy. Now, some people say that has to do with Bible literacy, that we just don't know the Bible, that we haven't studied the Bible. I actually think it's not just because we lack Bible literacy, but I think part of it has to do with how the Bible is organized. See, if you're one of those people that was raised in church and you've read through the Bible, the way that you've studied it, story by story by story, wasn't necessarily chronological. So so you read about King David... uh, way back here, and then you read about him here, and and you read about all the kings that came after him, before him, and how kingdoms divided, and who did what and where, but it didn't all fit together. It didn't all fit together. And so our goal really is to help people understand how the whole Bible fits together, because get this, if you can understand how the stories in the Bible fit in to the story of God, then there is hope that you may understand how your story fits into the story of God. That's our hope. That's my prayer. Okay? Third reason. Third reason. We want to create connections in the church. We want to create connections in the church. And when we talk about that, and and I I just need to hear, you need to hear this. When we say this is a church-wide study, I mean that. So, um, let me just talk to those that I've already offended by saying we're doing a church-wide study, okay? I know you enjoyed your Sunday school class. I know that was great. It's wonderful. I know you probably liked your small group and the fact that you got to pick whatever study you wanted to do. And that's wonderful too. Um, So if you're looking for someone to blame, here's the deal. As I prayed about this, I really felt like this was an area that we lacked. Um, been very program driven. We've got kids doing this. We've got adults doing this. This small group studies this. That small group did. And you know what it creates is a whole bunch of little cliques within the church. And we don't have a lot of things in common other than Jesus to talk about. It's really hard uh, as a parent who has a 13-year-old, a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 4-year-old to all find something we all have in common at the dinner table sometimes. And we want to create that. And I'm not just talking about families, okay? And so here's what I want you to do. Um, if you're one of those people, you're, I just, but I really loved that, that Beth Moore study I was doing. I really, I mean, I, I love the fact that we were studying the fruit of the spirits in Galatians. Our small group was doing this, and I'm, I'm just mad. Okay, ready? Write this down. J-A-S-O-N at fbcelgin.org. That's where you send all the complaints because it all stops with me. Guys, I'm going to tell you, I really feel like the Lord laid it on my heart. I went to the people in charge. I went to Alan and said, hey, brother, I know you're in charge of discipleship. I I kind of feel like this is where the Lord is leading me. What do you think, man? I just think it could do great things for our church, connecting us, getting us all in the same place, engaging our people with scripture. I went to the deacons and said, hey, deacon body, like, listen, I think this is a great opportunity for us. Can you imagine if a whole church, not just a whole church, but a whole community of people were walking through the scriptures and learning about the story of God together? Can you imagine the conversations that can happen, not just in church, but when we go sit out and have coffee together at the cafe, right? 
And so, so I need you to hear, that's my heart, we want to create connections. So when we say church-wide, what does that mean? I, I'm, I'm going to preach on it, so you're going to go out and read, and you're going to come here, and my sermon uh, is going to somehow tie in to something that you read. And I'm not going to tell you how. I'm not going to tell you how. It could be in a way that you never expected, hopefully. Sunday school, uh, we call those traditional small groups. They're going to talk about it. So if you come to the 8.30 service, man, go in there and you're going to hear it. If, if you come to the 11 o'clock service, be in there at 9.30 and you're going to hear about it. It's going to be awesome. And again, connections, it's going to tie in. Everything that your children study, all the way from pre-K, all the way up through youth, during Sunday morning, it's all going to be centered around the same thing. And then parents, those of you that have children, when you come to worship on Sunday, we're going to give you a sheet of questions to go home and be able to talk to your kids about. Sound good? Okay, good stuff, good stuff. You say, why? Here's the heart, ready? Uh, again, this happened a couple years ago. Uh, this, is a, this is a standing command. Deuteronomy 6 really talks to us about how discipleship is supposed to happen, ready? It says, Hero Israel, the Lord uh, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Get this. This is a picture of how discipleship is supposed to work. Ready? Impress them on your children. Okay? Who, whose job is that, by the way? It's the pastor's, right? Pastor, impress these commands on my children. Youth pastor, impress these commands on my children. Children's director. That's my wife right now, by the way. And she does it, like, she's not even being paid for it, so you guys back off. I love you. No, I'm joking. Impress them on my children, please. No. It says, parents, impress these commands upon your children. Get this. Talk about them when you sit at home. Wow. That means we communicate. Like, actually sit at a dinner with the family, and we talk about God. That's craziness, right? And then, and, and when you walk along the road. Now, I realize we don't walk a lot. We tend to drive these days. But that means like when we're driving, like we don't have to listen to Cars 3 for the 50th time on the DVD player, right? Or worse yet, we don't have to let the teenager take over and just play chain smokers over and over and over and over. You don't know who the chain smokers are? Just go use the Google people. Figure it out. They're pretty catchy. But I can, it's a little bit, it's too much. It's when you're along the road, you should be able to talk about these things. It's just when you lie down, right? When you're going to go to bed or when you get up in the morning. And here's what I want to confess to you. I think the church has hindered this. I really do. The church as a whole has become so program focused. We've got to have something attractional for the kids We've got to have something attractional for the youth. By golly, the senior adults who've been doing this their whole life, they still want something attractional for them. We've got to have something for everybody. We've got entire churches now just for cowboys, for crying out loud. Right? I mean it. Right? I'm serious. What about people that like fudge bombs? Where's my church, huh? The, you know, the bluebell ones with the chocolate and the, the little banana thing in the middle? I want a church. What we'll do all day, that'll be communion. <laughs> It'll catch on like wildfire. We've become so program driven and so split up, we don't have anything in common to talk about anymore. And so one of the things we're going to force you to do over the next 31 weeks is have something to talk to your wife about. Have something to talk to your teenager about. Have something to talk to your your kindergartner, your first grader, your third grader, your sixth grader about. We're going to give you material so that when you, you, you walk 
And when you lie down and when you, 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 you get up, you've got something to share and to talk about. That is our hope. That is our prayer. And so that is the why. Um, now let me talk to you about the what. And this is, I've got a lot of questions. What is the story, Pastor? Is this a Bible? Is this, does this replace my Bible? It should not replace your Bible. No, because it's not a Bible. Uh, it is in, here's what it is specifically. Ready? The story is abridged, chronological, word-for-word segments of the Bible from beginning to end. I'll say it again. Abridged, chronological, word-for-word segments of the Bible from beginning to end. Okay? It is not a paraphrase. It's actual segments of the New International Version of the Bible. That's what it is. Somebody says, uh, does it cover the whole Bible? Well... Yes and no. Yes and no. Ready? Yes, it covers the whole story of the Bible from creation until Christ's return, right? It's going to cover that grand story, but it's not going to cover every chapter. It's not even going to cover every book of the Bible. That's kind of what a bridge means, right? How many of you uh, have heard of Herman Melville? Come on, you remember Herman Melville, right? right? Moby Dick, right? Anybody know how many, how many words are in Moby Dick, roughly? 120, he says. Anybody, it's more than 120, okay? No, no it's more than 125,000. Uh, Moby Dick, Moby Dick is about 822 pages. It's a little over 200,000 words, okay? A little over 200,000 words. Now, the abridged version of Moby Dick, that's my style... <laughs> is about tenth, a tenth of that. It's a, it's a little over 20,000 words. It's a little over 20,000 words. It's about 102 pages. So I need you to understand, when we say this is an abridged version, guys, th- th- again, there's no way in 31 weeks we can fit in every single thing in Scripture. So here's what we are going to cover. This is what the story covers. Ready? It's got portions of 41 of the 66 books. 41 of the 66 books. Now, somebody said to me, but pastor, I, I, I don't like that. We're leaving stuff out. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I've been in Luke for two years. We have left out 65 other books for two years. You're going to get a lot more in a short amount of time than you had in two years, okay? All right. Portions of 41 to 66, portions of 360 chapters, and we're going to cover over 61 different characters in the Bible, their stories and how they fit together. Cool? All right? That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. So that is what it is. Now let's get to this one. I'm running out of time. Uh, who? Who? Now I'm not going to tell you uh, who the story is covering. That's actually in the back. There's a little table of contents back there. It tells you the lives of all the people that are, are involved in the story. I want to talk about you guys. And, and when I say who is the story for, the story is for everyone. If you are in seventh grade or above, that includes all us old people, uh, this book is for you. This book is for you, all right? It's the hardback version. So if you've got anybody that is in middle school and up, seventh grade and up, this is your book. You need to get a copy of it. Every single person in that group gets a book for themselves. We have paid for them. They do not cost you anything. You do not have to give us any money. We just want you to take a book, okay? And what you're going to do each week before you show up, you're going to have read a chapter. So next week when you come back, you will have read chapter one, all right? That's for you, seventh grade and up. Now, 
Third through sixth grade, you guys also have a book. And every third through sixth grader, again, gets their very own copy. And this is their book, all right? It's just a little easier to read. And parents, I'll be honest, if you're reading the 12 pages and you're going, man, I feel like something else happened. Read your kid's version. It's got better, uh, better transitions than yours. I'm just saying. It's really cool. It's a, good, it's a good version. That's right. That's a good place to start. It's even got pictures. If you need pictures, they're not great pictures, but there's pictures in this one, okay? So, so again, you can read this. That's for you, and you read one chapter a week, okay? Now then, when we get to our first and second grade, um, their book looks a little bit like this. Now, this is not one per child family, okay? This is one per family. So if you have three children in this age range, one, God bless you, okay? God bless you. Two, you only get one book, okay? And, and what you do is each week you read through the stories. I think the longest week might have three stories, to be honest. It's, 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 it's easy. Now, first and second grade, they're going to want to read it for themselves. They're already learning how to read. So sit with them. Let them read it to you, okay? It's a great, great resource. And then finally, for our younger ones, our pre-K and our kindergartners, again, one per family, and this is their book. And again, it's just got a couple things a week. And again, you read. Now, you're going to read this to them. My kindergartner doesn't read yet. If yours does, come teach mine. But, uh, but she's not quite there yet. But, uh, but anyway, and again, you're just going to read this with your children through the week, bedtime, whatever, when they wake up, whatever is best for your schedule. And we want you to do it before you show back up on Sunday. Uh, in addition to that, each week, families will provide you with a sheet of questions that you can ask. By the way, uh, you've got a third through sixth grader, or you've got a youth at the back, uh, at the end of the chapters in this book are discussion questions, and they're really good. At the back of this book, in kind of the, the appendix back there, there are questions for every single chapter that you can ask around your dinner table. Very cool. Very cool. So that's, uh, that's when, uh, or that's, uh, that's the who. Okay, so let's talk about the when. When does the story start? Ready? Now. Like, not right now, don't start reading yet. But, but now, this week, like, go home today, tomorrow, you begin reading, and read 12 pages. Read, read that chapter 1, and show back up next week, ready to go. Somebody says, well, when does it end? Ready? End of April. That's when it ends. It's basically the school year. It's going to end at the end of April. We've got two weeks off for uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, which both fall on Sundays this year. And uh, we'll have two weeks off for that. And that'll put us, get this, on Easter Sunday, you will have just read about the empty tomb. Ha <laughs> ha! See? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't write it that way. It just happened that way. But I'm just... Good timing, uh, the week, Passion Week, you're going to be reading about, about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's, it's just going to be awesome, and so uh, it'll be great to walk through. So that is, that is the when. Uh, and then there, the question of where. Where is the story going to be used? Ready? It is going to be used everywhere. That is our prayer. All right, so at home, you have to read how many? How many chapters a week? You just got to read one. By the way, it's going to be hard to do that. I had people that picked up a book last week and they're already halfway done. That's awesome. All right, just reread the chapter before you show up or else you'd be like, I don't remember. doesn't help a whole lot. So, uh, so show up prepared. But uh, personal reading from the pulpit, I'll be preaching something like that. Sunday school, small groups, same thing. Um, now, here's a cool thing. Sunday school and small groups, how many people do both of those in our church? You like both. You like to be taught and you like the relational aspect. A lot of you, right? Totally different material. 
So if you go to Sunday school, you're going to be taught one aspect of the story. But when you're in small group, you've got a totally different set of questions. So, so it, it doesn't like overlap each other. It's not like redundant. So we're super excited about that. Um, and then, of, of course, uh, now there are two programs I need to tell you about that are not doing the story. Ready? Um, but Wednesday night adults are also, Alan is, is taking adults Wednesday nights right now. They're going to be doing some story stuff. I'm helping out with Kingdom Kids on Wednesday night. So here's the two programs not doing story stuff. Wednesday night Kingdom Kids, because our kids are already getting the story in Sunday school, we're doing a different curriculum on Wednesday nights. By the way, if you have children, they should be here on Wednesday nights. It'll be a good time. Same thing with our youth. Our youth are doing the story on Sunday morning. So on Wednesday nights, they're doing something different. They're actually working through the Gospel of John. All right? Woo! Gospel of John. Almost as good as Luke. Um, I'm, I'm joking. I love the Gospel of John, actually. I, I, I use Luke. Anyway, it's a long story, but we've, we've had that one there. But so, so that's, that's when. So here's the last part, and I'm going to wrap up. How? Ready? How? How do I get involved with the story? Multiple things we want you to do. Different levels of commitment. All right? Number one, personally, just read it. Take the book. Read it personally. It's going to benefit you, I promise. So personally, we want you to read and study the chapter for yourself every single week. We want you to do that. Number two, as a family. As a family, we want you to talk about God's word around a meal a week. Pick one night, find a meal. If it, listen, you don't even have to cook. Order out. I don't care. Sit down and talk about God's word. This is, this is biblical. This is discipleship. Sitting around and talking about God's word together. So one meal a week, we're going to ask you to do that. And again, I don't care if it's Domino's. That's cool. You don't have to cook it. Just sit down, eat, and talk about God's word. As a community, in a community, we want you in a small group in this church. We don't, we don't, we don't lie about it. We don't make any qualms about it. Uh, in a room this big, there is no way that you can be known by everybody else. It's impossible. And so when you see me on Sunday morning, I'm shaking your hand, and it's taking me a second. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, hey, hey, it's good to see you. It's, not, it's, just, it's just like a huge group of people, and I just already had a huge group of people at 830, right? And so uh, when that happens, it's difficult. And so you need to be in a group of people where you can be known and loved and cared for. They can know that you've got a, a doctor's appointment that you're worried about. They can know that your kid um, got ISS in school, wasn't a Huddleston. I'm just saying, they, they could know, and, and, you, and, and you could pray over not just the child, but the, the parents. So um, that's good. So in community. And then, and then lastly, guys, uh, through worship. Through worship. We want you to attend um, one of the two services we offer, either 8.30 or 11 o'clock every single week um, to be caught up. So uh, last question I'm going to field is this. Ready? Is it it? Pastor, can I take it further? So some of you love to read. Amen. How many of you are readers? You're, you're good readers? Great. How many of you love to listen? You're not big readers. You like to listen. Yep. Uh-huh. So here's the deal. But for those of you that love to read, you want to take it further, get this. Now, this is cool. You've got to read the 12 pages, but if you want to take it further, do this. Open up to page 494. I want to show you something cool in the back of your books. Okay? Page 494. Almost done. I'm going to teach you how to, how to use this, and we're going to be done. Okay, page 494. It says, chart of references in my book. That's what it says. And what you'll notice is it says, chapter 1, creation. And here's, here's the chapters it's going to pull from. Genesis 1 through 4, okay? And then Genesis 6 through 9. Now, those are the chapters that it's going to cover. Now, again, it's a bridge, so that doesn't mean you're going to get every word in every chapter. So let me show you a trick. Now open up to page 4. 
page four. This is how you can take it further, all right? So you read your 12 pages, you say, I want to know the rest of the story. You can go to that table in the back, and you can choose after you read your 12 pages to read Genesis 1 through 4 in your Bible, and then to read Genesis 6 through 9 in your Bible. You can do that. You can also use the story and read along as you go. So on on page four, at the very top, you'll see there's a paragraph, and then there's a double space. There's a double space. Now, if you had your Bible out, and you're reading along, what you would notice is when it says in this last sentence, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food in the middle of the garden uh, where there was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then there's a double space in your book. That double space means there's a skip. That double space means a new segment is about to begin. So where that ended was actually, if I was following along in my Bible, was, was chapter 2, verse 9. So from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 2-9, Every verse is in there in the first three pages, okay? I get to page four and I see a double space and that means that something's about, there's going to be a little jump. Now, it jumps down to chapter two, verse 15, if you're studying in your Bible. What is that skip? What important material was left out? Well, it names the four rivers. That's what, that's what it does. It talks about, and here's the four rivers. This is what was going on. That's good information, right? But again, it's a bridge. At some point, it's got to be a bridge. So here's what I'm going to challenge you. This is what I'm going to do. If you want to go above and beyond, uh, my challenge myself every Monday morning in, in my devotional time, I'm going to read through the first, the first 12 pages. I'm going to read through my chapter on Monday. I'm going to spend the rest of my week going back and reading some of the backstory that it didn't cover. That's what I'm going to do. You can do whatever you want to, but my point is you can take it as far as you want. Now, I will give you one warning. If you decide I'm going to read every single chapter it covers, okay? Just be prepared because we're going to hit about week 20 and it covers 26 chapters at one time, okay? So buckle up. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. All right. Now, I hope, I pray, I pray, I pray that that covers the majority of your questions. There is one last thing that we are going to ask you to do and it involves this beautiful thing here. Um, Guys, uh, this bookmark is, is yours, and one, it shows you the chronological order, so it's really cool. As you read, you know where in the story of God you are, okay? The other thing it is, on the other side, is an invitation. So we want you to take some bookmarks with you. If you know of a family that, that you're, like, they're interested, you can even take a book um, with you, and you can, you can give it to them. Um, but I want to tell you this. This is really cool. We've got one lady that's out of town. She's out of town for six weeks. She asked for the story two weeks before she ever left. She started reading it. She started talking to her neighbors about it. Her neighbors say that they're believers, but none of them go to church. <laughs> that whole forsaking the assembly thing they miss. But uh, anyway, but she, so she, she, she took um, the book, right? And here's the really cool thing. Everybody got excited. She handed out four books immediately, had to come back and get more books, all right? We believe that, that just approaching the Word of God in a story format has the potential to not just change your family, not just change your understanding of the Bible, but it may very well change your community and the people around you, okay? All right, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for loving us. We love you. Be blessed in all that we do, God. Uh, I pray that we would accomplish the purpose uh, for which you've laid this on our hearts, God, that we would learn more about you, that our Bibles would get off the shelves and into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.